I'm Sarah Resnick. And I'm LaShawn Moore. And we are the hosts of the Weave Podcast, a project of the weaving yarn shop, Just Yarn and Fiber. Hi, everyone. Sarah here. Before diving into this week's episode, I wanted to share some personal news, which is that I am expecting a baby shortly, and I plan to take some time off this fall after the baby is born, so you'll be hearing a little less of me over the next few months. There are a few more episodes that I pre-recorded that you will hear, and after that, LaShawn has some wonderful episodes up her sleeves to share with you. I also just wanted to take this moment to thank you all, truly, for listening to this podcast. We currently have about 25,000 downloads each month from almost 30 countries, which really just blows me and LaShawn away. We do not take it for granted that you invite us into your earbuds or your cars or your studios or wherever you're listening, and we are grateful to all of our guests for sharing their stories with us and to all of you for listening. This week on the podcast, I'm talking to Mariah Gar, a weaver in Missouri and also a Gist Yarn ambassador, which means that she regularly works with our yarn and shares projects she created with our community. Mariah has designed a number of these beautiful projects for the blog, uh, which we're going to link to in the show notes, and she also has more lovely ones up her sleeve that you can expect in the coming months. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Mariah. I'm happy to be talking with you today. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to you today. Can you start out by introducing yourself and sharing how you found your way towards textiles and weaving? Yeah, um, my name is Mariah. I am from Branson, Missouri. Um, I have a background in fibers and graphic design. Um, And I've always been interested in studying history um, and textile art is so deeply rooted in tradition and history, um, which made weaving such a natural draw for me. Um, I discovered weaving in college. Uh, I went to a school that had a work-study program, um, and it also had, um, so basically they would assign you to various jobs around the campus, and I was assigned to a historic uh, grist mill, and that mill had a weaving studio attached to it. Um, So I actually learned to weave there. I did basket weaving and loom weaving. Um, And at that point, I just became completely obsessed with it and um, decided to switch my major to focus on fibers. And uh, I've been weaving ever since. Wow, what a cool job to have. How did you learn? How did they teach you how to do those loom and basket weaving? So that was all taught by students. Um, The older students would teach the students who had just... um, started working there and then once you knew what you were doing you would um, pass on the information. It was a really cool process um, and you got to work closely with um, other students who are interested in the same same sort of skills. What kinds of things were you weaving right off the bat with them? Um, the first thing I did was um, coasters. We had a little gift shop and we sold lots and lots of coasters um, to guests that came through. Um, but then I remember moving on to some tea towels and we were doing some bird's eye pattern and, um, I just thought, wow, I really want to do that. Like I couldn't wait to get over to that loom so I could work on it. Um, and that really, uh, sparked my interest. I think when I could work on those more complex, um, patterns. Hmm. And what was the basket weaving like? We haven't had a lot of people on the podcast yet that have done basket weaving. Yeah, I love basket weaving. It was a lot of fun. Um, it does take some time to make them actually look good, <laughs> um, but but it was a cool experience. Um, we used um, different reeds, um, 
and sometimes we would use like actual wood um, to work with um, but yeah it was a cool experience we made lots of different baskets picnic baskets and little you know catch-all baskets um, and sold those in the gift shop as well hmm. and so you transferred over to to study fibers and textiles and mm -hmm. what was that process like in in school um, yeah, so I was going to be a, a history major, um, and so I just completely, you know, switched track and um, started fi uh, studying fibers, and that program was actually about to be shut down. I was the last fibers emphasis, um, and our professor um, was actually retiring, so I took a, a class with her, and then in order to finish out my degree, I did independent studies. Um, so a lot of what I learned was self-taught. Um, you know, I, I got a lot of books from the library, did a lot of research, um, and then being able to work in the weaving studio at the mill really helped because um, I was I was weaving on a daily basis at that point, um, and so that kind of helped progress uh, my studies. Hmm. And what is it about weaving that captivated you so much and that still keeps you coming back today? Um, it's just such a calming experience for me. It helps me focus. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about when I'm weaving is the motion of my hands and feet. Um, you know, what comes next? And I think it really um, allows me to just to take a break and step away from everything. I could, I could weave all day and not get tired of it. Um, and time just kind of stands still when I'm weaving. So that's, I think, definitely part of why I, I continue to come back to it. Mm -hmm. And what did you do after college? Did you get your own loom? Did you know that you were going to continue with weaving? Tell us a little more about your weaving journey. Yeah. Um, after college, um, well, while I was still in college, I actually made a connection with um, two women and they were both getting rid of their looms so I was given um, two different floor looms from two different women um, with all of their equipment that they had collected over you know their entire weaving journey um, and so I was ready to go um, as soon as I graduated I pulled those looms out and put them in my apartment um, and then as soon as I graduated I had the opportunity to buy um, a Norwood loom from the school. They were um, going to auction them off, and I, I grabbed them before they did. So, um, so yeah, I have three floor looms. Um, I work on two of them right now. The their Norwood is in storage. I unfortunately don't have room for it right now, um, but I work off of those primarily. And yeah, I'm always got something going on my looms, and never have them empty. That's wonderful. So you've written that your work focuses on the juxtaposition between art and function and trying to find the balance between the two. And I think that's something that really resonates with a lot of weavers as we kind of vacillate between art and craft and mm -hmm. um, what each of those different words mean to us and to our work. And I'm wondering if you could talk about why you are specifically interested in this and how you explore this theme in your work. Yeah, that's a, a great question. Um, when I first started weaving, I struggled in thinking of it as an art form. Um, it's such a utilitarian process, and it, it felt like it wasn't um, being taken seriously as the other art forms, at least at my school. Um, 
So I really struggled um, with that. It, I wasn't seen it in the art world. Um, I wasn't exposed to it. Um, so I became interested in finding the balance um, because for so long I believed it had to be one or the other. You know, it felt my weavings had to, um, to fit either an artistic role or a functional one. Um, and often weaving is, is viewed as a, a home craft, um, but it has so much more potential than that. So in exploring um, that idea, um, my goal was to create pieces that, yes, uh, hold a, a functional purpose, but also push the boundaries um, for what art is, um, specifically for me. Um, I wanted to, to bridge the gap between those two modes of thinking. And the theme of finding that balance has manifested um, itself through my uh, own creative process and in how I view the design before it's even completed. I focus um, when in the designing process um, on both art and function, and I keep that in mind um, so that they're equally balanced in my pieces. And can you talk about the kind of pieces that you make and some of your favorite pieces that you worked on maybe as you were getting started and more recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I generally make a lot of um, wearable pieces, like scarves, um, but also get, been getting more into making rugs and pieces for the home. Um, but I think when I first started weaving, I was really just making small things, um, you know, tea towels or napkins or coasters. Um, and since then, I've been trying to um, really challenge myself to explore more complex pieces and more complex patterns. Um, yeah, yeah, I think. You recently made a really cool hand-tufted, quote, cowhide rug. Like yeah. It's made to look like a cowhide rug, but it isn't. Mm -hmm. um, and I am curious how you got that idea and what inspired you to make that. Yeah, I was actually um, commissioned to do that piece. Um, it was a, a really fun idea that this person had, and I really, um, I wanted to use my rug tufting gun because um, you can create such abstract shapes um, with it. And um, yeah, so basically I, you know, I sketched that pattern out. Um, with rug tufting, you have to build a frame and stretch your fabric, sketch out your design, and then it's pretty much, you can just go right at it. Um, and I knew I wanted to use cotton to make it um, soft but also durable. Um, so yeah, I just kind of researched cowhide rugs. <laughs> Didn't really know how to, to go about that process, but um, it kind of all fell into place. How did you get into tufting? That's pretty different than weaving. Maybe if you want to explain what that is to people who don't know and then how you got into it and what, the, what that process is like. Mm -hmm, yeah. Um, I randomly found a tufted rug on Instagram and I thought, wow, what is that? It's so cool. It doesn't look like weaving, but it does at the same time. And so I got sucked into this rabbit hole um, and I, you know, discovered that it was using a, a rug tufting gun. And um, for months and months and months, all I could do was think about rug tufting and I knew I wanted uh, to get one. Um, and so finally was able to, um, to get it definitely an investment but it is so addictive and so fun um yeah it was a uh, it kind of just jumped right in um feet first um and 
I, I like rug tufting because you um, get to work in a whole different dimension than in weaving and it allowed me to um, explore some some designs that I just couldn't achieve on my loom. Do you have any advice for weavers that are interested in in getting into tufting rugs, how to get started? Yeah, um, I would suggest doing a lot of research. Um, it's an investment and if you are thinking you just want to try it out and you're only going to be making one rug, then you know I might not suggest to get one, but if you know that um, that you're going to be, you know, really cranking out a lot of rugs, it's great for production. Um, so yeah, I would suggest doing a lot of research, um, follow some different rug tufting accounts and see what they're up to and see all the different possibilities and, you know, make sure it's the right fit for you. Yeah. And so tell me more about what you are working on on your looms these days. What are you weaving and what are you feeling most excited about and, and most challenged by? Um, yeah, right now I am trying to create some items for my new website. Um, and so I've been focusing on a lot of um, production. Um, and so I've been working on some scarves um, and I'm actually going to be working on some um, double width um, kind of uh, lounge pillows. Um, that's kind of the goal for the future, working on um, the details of that. Um, but that's pretty much what I've been focusing on lately. Um, you know, and as summer is coming to an end, definitely working on some more scarves. Nice. You've woven a, a number of featured projects on our blog. For mm -hmm. people who aren't familiar with that, we publish patterns most Fridays um, by weavers in our community with our yarns, and they generously share um, the details for how they made a project and we, we put some kits together of our yarns and I'm wondering if you could talk about some of what some of those product projects are and some of your favorite yarns that you've been working with from our shop. Yeah, um, in the past I've made um, a, a project for you guys for an alpaca throw blanket, um, done an uh, inlay scarf um, with silk and um, alpaca and just recently did a scarf for you um, using Duet. Um, and I only use uh, natural fibers, and so you've been a great resource for me. You have a great selection of natural fibers. My favorite um, to work with uh, would probably be um, your linen and alpaca, and then recently love working with your Duet. It's such a great combination. Of, um, of linen and cotton, um, you know, it's, it's durable enough for your warp, but also soft enough for your weft, um, and it just makes, uh, it's very versatile. Um, so yeah, and I, I really love all of your fibers. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, you, the, the scarf that you published most recently has been super popular. Lots of people have been downloading the pattern and buying the kit, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes if people want to see how you worked with that. You mentioned that you only like to work with natural fibers. Mm -hmm. um, why is that? And um, what are some other kinds of fibers that you use and where do you find them? Yeah, um, I primarily work with natural fibers. I just feel like they, um, you can tell when you're holding a piece that's made with natural fibers, it's quality. Um, you know, I might be a bit pretentious when it comes to that, but um, 
you know, I can tell when I'm holding something synthetic and I really just don't like to use um, something that's, that's um, you know, comes out of a factory like that's, um, you know, plastic and um, I just feel like you get a lot more out of a piece when it's made um, with natural fibers. Um, I have a lot of, um, of bins of fibers that I've just collected over the years. Um, some of them have been given to me. Um, you know, lots of wool and things like that that I will use. Um, so I kind of will try and seek out, uh, you know, vintage fibers, um, things that um, people are about to throw away. I like to, um, to really find a use for that. That's great. Where do you, where do you find those? In, in like the Goodwill or where do you? Um, you know, I, I have found some at thrift stores, but a lot of it is just making connections with um, people in my community, you know, um, I'll hear about somebody who has a grandma who's getting rid of all of their fibers and so I'll try and reach out, um, you know, things like that. Yeah. You have a really, I would say, consistent kind of design sense and aesthetic that you've developed. And I'm curious if you could talk about what your design process is. Do you start with the materials and then kind of play at the loom? Are you planning things out a lot more ahead? What, what's that process like? Um, and what advice do you have for people who want to start moving from weaving projects that other people have designed into designing their own? Yeah. Um, I always have my sketchbook um, on hand. If I don't have it, I you know, pull up notes um, on my phone. Um, I always start with the sketch and plan out my design. I really go for very, um, you know, symmetrical, minimal design. Um, but you never know when you're going to be inspired, so I always, always keep uh, a sketchbook on hand. And I start um, by planning out my project. I um, don't usually just set something up and, and go at it. I, I like to have a plan and know exactly what I'm going to do and what fibers I'm going to use. So um, that's uh, in that process, I will pick out the fibers um, and kind of play with different color combinations. And then I'll move on to actually preparing the warp and setting up my loom. Um, so yeah, I would suggest to, to anyone who's moving away from pre-planned um, projects just to sketch out ideas and make sure that you have a, a notebook full of them um, so that you're you know, when you're ready to move on, um, you know, you can go back and, and look at this. What have you found to be the most challenging part in your weaving journey? Um, I think the greatest obstacle I've faced is um, just being self-taught. It can be difficult to, um, you know, if you run into a problem, it can be hard to, um, to figure it out. Um, but then again, that's one of the things that I do um, love about weaving is it's all based um, on you know problem solving um, but it can be can be difficult um, but I've got a great resource of books that I can go to and then great Instagram community you can always uh, reach out to what are some of your favorite books that you would recommend oh goodness I have a whole bunch of them um, not sure off the top of my head that I can remember the titles um, fair enough that's fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I have a, a, a shelf full of, of weaving books that have been given to me. So. That's great. I love those hand-me-down weaving mm -hmm. books. 
So I've also, I also see that you've done some work with natural dyes. How did you learn how to do that and what do you work with? Yeah, um, while I was in college, I took a workshop with um, Sofia V. Gonzalez. Um, she came to our school and led an in- introductory um, class on, on natural dyeing and that really sparked my interest. Um, and since then I've been collecting things like avocado skins um, and you know onion skins. Um, I have a, a freezer full of avocados that I need to actually work with. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like using things that um, I have easy access to, um, you know, so I don't waste anything. If I bring some onions home from the store, I make sure and collect as many of the, the skins in the pack as I can. Um, yeah, I also have done some work with um, cochineal. Um, it's such a beautiful, vibrant, um, natural dye. Um, but yeah, I think those are my favorite ones uh, to work with. Do you use mordants, or how do you get the how do you focus on getting the color to stick? Right. Um, I think I use um, alum the most as a mordant, um, and I've done a little bit of experimenting with uh, vinegar as a mordant. Um, but uh, I don't think it's, it's been long enough to see how color fast the dyes are with that. And where can people go online and on social media to learn more about you and about your work? Yeah, um, you can go to my Instagram. That's primarily where um, I showcase most of my work. Um, it's Mariah underscore Gar. Um, and I recently have built a website um, that you can now go to. It's mariagar.com. Um, that's where I'm selling all of my work, and you can find out more about me there. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much pretty much it. That's great. And do you have any closing advice or words of wisdom that you would want to share with weavers out there? Um, yeah, sure. I have a motto. Um, everything can be fixed and everything has a solution. So um, if you're intimidated by weaving, um, if you run into a problem, um, that definitely helps. Uh, it's reassuring to know that you know, you're working in a, a craft that's been around for centuries. So you really can find a solution to any problem you run into. That's that's good advice. It's a good thing for all of us to remember. Well, yeah, thank you definitely. so much. Thank you for taking the time to come on to the podcast. And also thank you for all of the projects that you write up and share with our GIST weaving community. We are very honored to be able to send them out to all of our readers. Yeah, you're welcome. Take care. That's a wrap. If you're interested in finding out ways to support Mariah's work, you can find links to her website in the show notes at www.gistyarn.com slash episode dash 81. Next week on the podcast, I'm talking to Vera of Cosa Buena, a carefully curated, socially conscious travel retreat that explores the vibrant culture and traditions of Oaxaca, Mexico. So stay tuned next week for that episode. And until next time, happy weaving.